So we're finally here. It's been two years since the announcement of the show, almost two years to the day, right? And I was thinking about something before we begin recording this. Do you know that since we recorded that episode when they announced it, we did it the same day of the announcement, May 15th, 2020. Today is now May 11th, 2022. In that time, there have been 56 new episodes of Star Trek produced in that time. The episode that we first did the initial recording on was episode 59. This is now, we're now recording episode 127. It's been that. Our podcast? Wow. Yes. It's been that long since the announcement of Star Trek Strange New Worlds two years ago. It was like sort of right at the beginning of the pandemic. And we had only had two seasons of Discovery and one season of Picard. We had not even seen Lower Decks yet. We hadn't seen Prodigy yet. Wow. Yeah. It was a very different time back then. Yep, and here yeah. we are now in the age are. of Strange New Worlds. Yeah, and it was certainly quite a wait. I mean, I you know, I think I managed to slip in a reference to the show practically in every episode that we recorded since then. <laughs> so I've been I've been waiting for Pike, a Star Trek story for quite some time. Um yes. But in spite of all of that didn't open in a very big way. I mean, it was a very kind of almost quiet episode. Um, and I actually enjoyed what they did with this one quite a bit. As we all know, this is episodic format. And they're kind of going back to the old ways of doing a Star Trek show, which is situation of the week, you know, a little bit of social commentary. So when I watched it, it had a very nice, sort of homey, comfortable feeling, I thought. Not that a, a bit, certainly. I think it there was a big chunk in the middle that had that. Yeah. I think it had to do a lot of place setting. Right. Um, but I do think that it didn't spend too much time on the place setting. I right. think that it was sort of very quick, set it up, mm -hmm. get him there. And then by the end of this, is what I really love, by the end of the episode, he had made up his mind that he was now recommitted to Starfleet completely. So and that was nice. One could imagine a situation <clears throat> where a series might drag that, that, uh, right. that ambivalence out all season. How are you feeling about, you know, because... Discovery and Picard, they're very much into serialization. And while we kind of have our own thoughts on that, what's your what's your kind of hot take now, now that we've seen one episode of the show? Oh, good riddance to the serialization. Yeah, right. Because it's hard to do well. And as we've said, as far as the serialized seasons of Star Trek go, the new ones, yeah, I think we agree that we think the best one was Picard season one. Yep most effective and even Picard now has let us down in season two. So yeah. you, when you're, when you're batting what um, <clears throat> one for six, is it? Yeah. Well, That's I mean, I would throw in season one of discovery in there too. Not perfect, but not bad either. Okay. So along for the ride. It was a very much along for the ride one in that first season. Yes. Yeah. Although I haven't gone back to watch it. Maybe we had rose colored glasses on. 
yeah, it was a different time, but it, I really did enjoy this episode. I mean, you know, friends of mine knew how much I was looking forward to the show and they said, well, was it everything you thought it was going to be and hoped for? And I said, well, I'm not going to, I can't answer that question until the season comes to an end. I felt like, but I felt like this episode didn't really waste any time. It knew what it needed to do. It told the story. It, it did, definitely did a lot in the, what, 50, 40-ish, 48-ish minutes that it was. They they didn't spend too much time, you know, kind of setting up Picard, um, Picard Pike, Spock, because we already know who they are, right? But there was sort of enough there where I thought, like, I, I know somebody who wanted to watch the show and did not watch Discovery Really didn't watch any Trek at all. I don't know anything about it. Nothing. And watched it. He watched it. Because he's a big fan of Ensign Mount. And, you know, I was just in hearing me talk about the show. He's like, I do want to see this. And so after he watched it, I said to him, so what'd you think? I mean, did you, were you into it? Were you, was anything unclear or anything? And he's like, no. He said, if anything, I'm curious about the stuff that they're referencing from prior. But he said I, I didn't feel like I was lost in what they were in what they were referencing. So he said, I felt like the show did a good job of sort of re of sort of filling you in, if you weren't familiar with what happened before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's very. I think I agree. And as far as characterization goes, I think they were very efficient. Yeah, with the characterization. So right. let's say you had not seen Spock, and obviously, chances are you know who Spock is, mm. but. I do think that we got this interaction with Pike and Spock where they sort of laid out their relationship right. in one scene when he asked him, how, how are you, Mr. Spock? And he told them how the ship was. And he said, no, I asked how you were. Right. And well, I think that was such a great scene because that just, uh, you know, shows their relationship very clearly. Well, I think also I'm glad you mentioned that because that other scene when Pike is in his quarters, and Spock comes in to check on him, and he says, yeah. I don't want to overstep. And he says, no, overstep. Because you have to remember, Spock is not the first officer. Spock is n right. This Spock is not the captain's right-hand man. Spock knows right. there's somebody I in front of him, but this person is not there at this point. So, Right, and Spock is one of the few people that he's allowed to talk about that to because it's classified. Right. Because Spock was there, he already knows. Right. That's and see, and that's the that's that's the interesting thing. I the show, the episode referenced Discovery more than I thought they would. I mean, I knew we knew that what Pike saw happen to him, seeing his future. We knew that was going to factor into the show, and that it was going to be affecting him in some way. He doesn't really quite know what to do with it. But they really went, they referenced Discovery more than I thought they would. I mean, you had Spock making direct references to Michael Burnham. You had number one, well, I mean, the, 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 the plot of the episode is all about the aftermath of what we saw in Such Sweet Sorrow. Mm, I thought that was clever. Yeah. Well, because I, I think about using an episode that we didn't like for right. something good. Because when you, when you remember how season two of Discovery ended, Discovery was classified and, you know, said to be destroyed. So you would think that it would never come up again, right? But they're in the know. They, you know, they know that 
they know they were there. They saw everything that happened. So it definitely came up. But again, it came up more than I wasn't. I was not even expecting the events of that episode of Discovery at all to even be referenced. Except for Pike's yeah. vision. Right. Right. So. Right. It, it, I think it does make sense. I mean, the last time these characters have been more together was then. It seems. Yeah. Or yeah. immediately after that. But. Was a pretty big deal. The episode opens with us checking up, get, sort of getting a checkup on Pike. He's kind of isolated himself because he's obviously thinking about when he saw his future on Boreth and saw himself in the box with the light. I keep saying that because of you. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing how much that is playing a part in in everything. You know, I gotta say, just as a quick. Just as a quick sidestep, I remember you drew it when we were uh, recording. Um, you know, th there are some creative decisions that the current slew of Trek shows have made that I don't fully agree with. But I got to say that I think one of the smartest moves they did was giving Pike a glance at his future and having that be part of who he is. I thought that was yeah, a very yeah. cool idea. Yeah, I think so, and I think that um, yeah, they they're using it well. I really like <clears> the <throat> fact that, as far as I can tell, mm. it's kind of already it's over. I mean, it's changed his character in that now he seems to be a little bit, as I wrote in my notes, um, Kirk-like recklessness, right? Or just uh, let the regulations be damned, right? And it seems like that's the thing that he's taking away from it is, hell, I only have a decade left, so I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Because I remember there was that scene in Such Sweet Sorrow when Pike and Admiral Cornwell are trying to disarm that torpedo that has lodged itself into the Enterprise, and that's when um, Admiral Cornwell just decides that she's going to be the one to set it off. And, you know, because Pike was saying, like, I, you know, no, let me stay behind, I'll do it. And I remember there was that line where she says to him, and he's already seen his future at this point, and she says, whatever your future is, Chris, you can handle it. And that line, I think, sort of comes into play a little bit more this time, even though he's still kind of fighting with it a little bit, not really quite knowing what to do. But, yeah, I mean, I do like that scene between him and Spock where... You know, he's sort of asking Spock, like, you know, I don't know what I should do. What kind of a person does this make me? Who should I be? And Spock just says, you need to be the captain. Yeah, be the, be the person you've always been. Yeah. And, and, and all that. But it makes sense that he sort of starts second-guessing himself because he yeah. sees, like, if I make this horrible decision in the future that gets me killed, yeah. not killed, so I'll talk about that a little bit after, but right. gets me almost killed and some of my crew potentially almost killed. Right. Uh, then maybe my judgment's not as good as I thought it was. However, this is the thing that sort of is a little strange, is that he, he seems to be willing to interchange his death with what happens. Mm -hmm. Like, he keeps saying, he, they, they make a little note of it where he says, when I die, I die, or at least the life, my life is over, at least the life I know is over. But then after that, he just calls it like, I know when I die, I've seen my death. Right. I've seen my end, and it's like, but you don't die. Yeah, well, I remember them even doing that on the commercials for the show. They kept saying, "I saw my." He's like, "I saw my death. I saw my death," and I'm like, "It's not your death, though." It's they were leaving death. off I'm that part. 
Yeah. I'm wondering disability uh, people, disability rights people would see this or, or cringing at that. I think he, I know, I mean, I think what he's, what he means, but regardless, I don't think it's a, to me, it's not the best way of writing it. Who I am now, this is where this me dies. Like, I will no longer be this person. And that's a very clumsy way, I think, of <laughs> coming up with a reason. But, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree. It's not the best way to put that. Yeah. yeah. If I were him, the first thing I would do is I would say, who's in charge of Starfleet wheelchairs? And I want to <laughs> talk to them right away. And I want to give a good decade head start to get me well, a much better. It's interesting. In a box with a light on it. Because even in, we have, we've not gotten to this moment yet on the show. But even in the trailers, there's a scene where he's talking to number one about this. And because it obviously comes up again. And she says to him, I'm paraphrasing, so I can't remember the exact line, but she says, You don't even know if that's going to happen. Mm. Right? So I'm wondering. And, you know, Spock says, you know, kind of explains, well, it's a sure thing because you're on Borath, and he kind of explains why. But will there ever be a moment where Pike just kind of says, you know, maybe it won't? Or, you know, right. yeah, I just, I wonder, I wonder about that. I, I do wonder how this is going to factor in going forward with him. Right. And what if he just never went on to, a, what, if he, what if he went to Earth and never left Earth again? Right. Would it still happen? Or right. is it, um, you know, a is it like a time? fixed, yeah, exactly, a fixed point in time? Yeah, because obviously he's going to know, oh, I'm wearing that uniform now. Oh, I'm on that ship that I remember seeing in my vision. Hmm. You know, like, or at that point, is it too late? You know, is he not going right. to, yeah. So, or maybe we'll see it and we'll see that like he he recognizes like if i go in there i'm gonna die actually this mm. would be very cool if i go in there i'm gonna die but then it winds up being like that's how he can save everyone or something right i don't he think anyway knowing full well he's gonna die i don't think we're actually going to see it happen on the show i mean we might but i think it would be cool just remember that it actually happens during the original series time when we oh. when we're in the menagerie it happened relatively recently so it wasn't like it happened and then that's when Kirk got command. I see. Yeah. So, but the, the, the idea of this episode, the, the basic plot of this episode is that the enterprise is in dry dock. The crew is basically on R and R. Um, Pike obviously is dealing with this. Spock is back on his home planet with T'Pring, who we see from, who is, uh, who factors into the episode later on a mock time. Number one is on a away mission on her own because she doesn't like downtime. And the something goes wrong, and they have to go. They have to go rescue her. And meanwhile, as they're kind of getting the crew together, we have we 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 meet the crew um, as this is going on. So, you know, we meet Pike's temporary number one, which is Leon Nunian Singh. We meet the very young cadet Uhura. We meet Doctor Mabenga, and we meet Nurse Chapel. So we got the entire crew together, and every single character. It's a it's a fairly large cast. I mean, it's not huge, but it's a it's a there's quite a few of them. Mm. You know, the personalities though. They're so. Like, Doctor Mabenga only has a couple of scenes. Nurse Chapel only has a couple of scenes, and yet. They're done so well. The scenes with them are so are so enjoyable, and and there's actually one crew member we haven't even really met yet. It's uh, Hammer. I mean, he appears at the very end. The uh, the chief engineer, the uh, the Anar. 
But every single character, even though they may not have something huge to do in this episode, they all have a, a good amount of time for us to get to know them. And they're introduced, I think, fairly well. Despite the fact that they're using legacy, some a lot of legacy characters, mm-hmm. it's still kind of like a new character, right? Because it's a, sort of a new interpretation of this character. Right. And I thought they handled the use of the entire cast very, very well. Yeah, don't forget um, Erica Ortegas also. That's right, I apologize. Yeah, Ortegas. Um, it, it's interesting, I didn't realize that the original pitch of Star Trek included a Jose Ortegas mm-hmm. to be the navigator. Yeah. But some, for some reason, that didn't happen. Nice. So that's a fun, that's a fun nod. Did any, so aside from our main cast, right? Our mm-hmm. big three. Was there any, for you, was there any sort of like standout performance any sort of standout character that you really liked um of this new cast i mean leon nunian singh probably gets the most to do out of all of the new characters in addition to pox spock pike and number one mm-hmm. she kind of factors in heavily but like was there anyone that you that really kind of stood out for you well i mean i certainly enjoyed Mbenga and nurse chapel especially was fun but what yeah. i really liked was nunian singh because we are set up with a character mm-hmm. that, assuming this show's done well, is go- going to have an arc. Right. Because she's very good at being a, she's almost like um like a Boimler type it seems you know like yeah. she just follows all the rules she'll do everything by the book, but what she's not good at is working with other people and so it's kind of cool that we'll speak up when necessary. Yeah, but yeah. it's great that we get to see potentially her grow as mm-hmm. being a member of a team and start to trust people more. So I'm excited. Um, but I also think a nice character. Arc. I also because I thought of you during this. You know, she had a nice tie-in with your favorite alien ser- a- favorite alien race, the Gorn. Uh, yeah. Which yeah, that was interesting. As we keep saying, lower decks, lower decks loves the Gorn, and yeah. now uh, so, we're getting a little bit of it on Strange New Worlds as well. Yeah, yeah, but we're finding out more of the uh, horrors of the Gorn, and uh, they use people as breeding sacks. <laughs> yeah, so they're alluding to some very to a very interesting backstory with her. Um, so she, of course, comes on to be the sort of temporary in command, temporary number one, because number one, our actual number one, has gone missing on a first contact mission that's gone awry aboard the USS Archer. Um, so they now have to go and rescue her, and when they arrive at this planet. You know, they discover that these people have some sort of warp technology, but there's no sign of, like, any sort of, like, ships in the area, space docks, anything. It doesn't seem like a, an advanced civilization. It seems very much like Earth of today, and yet somehow they have this warp technology. And again, you came into mind, because I know what you like them, led us to a conference room scene to kind of figure out the best way to do this, which is always, I think, a win, an easy win for you, right? Oh, yeah, covers from scenes are the best. Really yeah. like. When they're done well. When it's, and, you know, this character, this this Pike, they, is um, the writers and the, and the creators have a good <clears throat> sense of like who he is as a captain. So right. it's really nice that uh, he can have those conversations because they're very clear in the fact right. that, A, he is the captain, which sometimes the shows kind of don't understand what a right. captain does. Right. And uh, so... I, I do always find them very good when they're handled well, yes. Now, they arrive at this planet, 
And they've got to go down there and try to find number one and the two other crew members that she traveled with because the ship that they went with, which is a three-person ship for whatever reason, but that's fine. Um, they've got to go down and find them, but you then... Because it was top secret. Right, but then they get into the whole, like, prime direct... Well, excuse me, general order one discussion. And... Yes. I'm like, oh, and I was just smiling. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we're back to this. It feels so nice to come back to this. Yes, it really was. Um, and, uh, yeah. It was neat because they were in quite a pickle because it, it's supposed to be when they have warp technology, but they have some technology that, that's, you know, beyond warp, but they don't right. have warp. So what do you do? Right. Right. So you find out they're like, they're sort of a pre-warp civilization, but like Spock determines that they've managed to make a warp bomb out of it. Which was, which was weird, but okay. I'm like, so it's a bomb that goes warp speed? I don't, I don't, I don't get, what does that mean? But okay. Well, the idea was, yeah, yeah. Here's my take. My take was that you have, I think it was a good analogy for nuclear because yes. you have nuclear power plants that can produce aside from all the toxic waste clean yeah. energy you know no no emissions and whatnot um and you can also make nuclear bombs that are gonna right. destroy a planet so right. i i thought of it that way when he explained it that way and i i because as soon as i thought that i'm like and then he explained it i was like oh okay now i get it that's fine yeah anytime um, you have a lot of energy like it can propel you or it can yeah. blow things up but when they're figure when they're trying to figure out what they should do here, the moment Pike says, "Let's go see the doctor," I said to myself, "I know exactly why they're going to go see the doctor." And you know, aside from being a great introduction contextually to bring in the doctor, I was like, "I know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to go to him because they need a way to blend in with these alien with these aliens so they don't get caught." And that's exactly why they know? went, huh? How did you know that? Because. I remember Enterprise did that before. There was an episode of Enterprise called Civilization where they went to Dr. Phlox and he helped them sort of like, you know, change their appearance. And we've seen it happen in other episodes of Past Strike too, where like they have to go to the doctor to, you know, change how they look in order to blend in with somebody. Cisco, they did it on DS9. They had to be all be Klingons. So the moment he said, let's go see the doctor, I said, they're going to go because they need a disguise. That's got to be exactly what it is. And that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that it was like nothing new, I was just happy that I was very happy that that's what we were going to be. That that's, that's what we were doing in this uh, in this moment. Yeah. I thought that the, the alien looks, their alien looks were a little uh, off-putting. And not in a, mm. in a way that I think that was bad. It was right. just, it was just um, a little like uncanny valley. It was so close to looking human, but right. so off. So I think that was effective. And we find out that this is a, people who are getting ready to go to war with each other so you have two warring two factions who are ready to sort of like go to war with each other very you know and you know it's very much um a mirror for what's going on on earth today as star trek does right so they go down there and they have to you know they have to get they have to blend in and of course you know nurse chapel is giving them all of their um everything they need all their disguises and um you know and i do and i by the way i do like this new actress playing nurse chapel um it never i never really thought of it too much but original nurse chapel is a very wooden character i hate to yes. say she's no, not yeah yeah i mean 
after this aired, I went back and watched some original series episodes that featured Nurse Chapel. Most heavily is what the episode What Are Little Girls Made Of? And, you know, Major Roddenberry is great. You know, she's great as Loxana Troy. But, I'm, dude, I'm telling you, as Nurse Chapel, and even number one, like, she's not featured very heavily on the original series, but when she is, she's not really given a lot to do, and her performance is not that great. And this is not a comparison. This is not, I'm not saying this because of the, the uh, you know, the performance we got from the new actress, Jess Bush. She's just not really given a whole lot to do. So I think very much like Jeffrey Hunter's Captain Pike, the new person portraying this character, while there's some source material to go back to, is kind of free to sort of really make, give this character a personality. Yeah, I think it was very well well done. She definitely had a personality. She's got some sass, dude. She had a lot to do. Yep. Um, even that, you know, the sort of just fun-ish, I guess, which I know you mentioned, I assume this is what you meant when you said you got some J.J. Abrams vibes and i think her running around and having to yeah um get that beam of the the genetic agent on yep. spock's eye and all that yep a nice little uh that was fine so they go down there and they have to find number one and then they they get a more better sense of what this world is like and there's a lot of unease and it's a lot of it's very similar you know the, the idea is that it's very similar to what's happening on earth right now so Aside from a little bit of trouble, you know, they, you know, they have to beam up two people onto the Enterprise um, because they'll, because they, we find out that what they're using to kind of blend them in is not going to last very long. So they had to knock out two people and beam them up to the Enterprise and keep them there in case they have to synthesize more, um, I forget what they were calling it, to make them blend into the, to society. Because Spock was actually at risk because his wasn't going to last as long. But right, the, and he started to go a little bit. But, but there's a great moment when they both wake up, and one of them act on the Enterprise, and one of them actually escapes. Mm-hmm. And Nurse Chapel is like chasing him through the halls because this is a guy who's like you know from a pre-warp civilization. He's never been on a spaceship before. Doesn't know what's going on. Doesn't know where he is. And she's like chasing him through the hallways. And when I was watching this scene. The, the music in the scene is great because it's very like you know it's upbeat it's funny it's humorous and but it for some reason reminded me of like indiana jones that scene in raiders of the lost ark where he's running through the streets trying to find marion because she's just been kidnapped and she's in that basket like that's the scene i was thinking of for some reason it just reminded me of that quite a bit but i love that moment when he gets away and he's on the turbo lift with uhura and she knows exactly how to handle the situation like immediately They make it to the bridge. Chapel, you know, beams to the bridge and knocks him out right away. And um, yeah, that scene was that that was easily one of my favorite moments from the episode. It was just a lot of fun. And it's moments like that that I just feel like are missing from the current live action treks. It's just it's not it's just a very fun, humorous moment. Absurd moment in a lot of ways, too. And a lot of these other shows, I think some of the other shows don't do that. And I wish they would sort of embrace that side of it a little bit more. It was more of a scene we would expect from Lower Decks. Yes. Uh, yes. It reminded me of the Packlet who had escaped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're going all around the ship hunting for the Packlet. 
So when we find number one, we find out, we kind of find out the reason why this bomb was built. And it turns out that everything that we saw in the season two finale of Discovery, Such Sweet Sorrow, the huge battle with control and all those ships, as number one put it, we, and opening up the wormhole, she said, we lit up the sky. Mm-hmm. So, this, so this planet, which was nearby, saw everything with their telescopes. And with all the data they gathered, they were able to kind of reverse engineer this technology and turn it into a weapon. Mm-hmm. Which I really, which I thought the the idea of that was very cool. I liked that. I liked that a lot. Yes, me too. So, really number one reveals this to them, and they use it as a way to, and Pike uses that as a way to justify kind of revealing who they are to these people, and where they come from. And this is when the show really, the episode really kind of strayed into Star Trek territory i mean what were your thoughts on this sort of i guess reveal and how it was handled it was interesting my first viewing i I sort of thought i didn't like the fact that it was so on point where where, where it just had the actual footage of the january 6th insurrection attempt right and you know i my politics are no secret I'm i'm certainly not pro the insurrections. Right. Mostly that one. But right. um, still, something about it, I just felt, it was my initial feeling was, oh, they're just giving, you know, being what people claim that the show is, which is right. partisan and whatnot. That was on my first viewing because I was just sort of surprised to see it. On my second viewing, I really liked it because. I did think that it worked really well just as far as their explanation of how things went, but really it was when Pike spoke and he said, you will use competing ideas of liberty to bomb each other to rubble. Mm -hmm. And it was that, it was just that idea of competing ideas of liberty that felt like, okay, that actually is a pretty good summation to some extent. of. of It's a very safe way to put it. Yes. Yes. Because it's not saying anything about, um, not, not actually to, you can you can read into that whatever you want right right one could say that yeah you could you could say he's on either side of, of it right like we know what side he would be on given star trek's history right um but i did think that was that was that was um that was pretty good and the speech really really worked well and it was all about those starfleet ideals right so i thought that was great now the thing that i thought was very cool that i didn't catch until the second viewing and I'm sort of disappointed in myself because it seems so obvious once I realized it but um, at the beginning of the episode uh, Pike is watching the film The Day the Earth Stood Still and his um, sex partner says that (laughs) said oh you watched in this movie again Yep. so he's been watching it a lot but in the film and I sort of had forgotten this um, well, I knew I knew what it was about. It was when he gave the speech, and then I realized when he beamed down, and he beamed right in between the two uh, yep. people, and it started yep. to talk. So in, in the Daily Earth Stood Still, there's this robot, Klaatu, shows up in Washington, D.C., and just stands there and doesn't say anything for a long time, and everybody's freaking out. And then eventually, Klaatu speaks and says, essentially... Um, 
you're saying like you're you're okay. It came out in 1951, and Klaatu says your choice is simple: join us and live in peace, or pursue your present course, meaning nuclear war, and face yep. obliteration. We shall be waiting for your answer. So, Pike is Klaatu in this. Can I in this situation? So, no joke. Okay, mm. I'd forgotten about that moment in the episode. I forgot to mention that, but I. The Day of the Earth Stood Still is one of my favorite science fiction films of all time. So mm. I caught that sort of like, as soon as the episode ended, I was like, oh, Day of the Earth Stood Still. He's it's We're in a Day of the Earth Stood Still situation here. Yeah. And I caught that like, I was so happy that I actually caught that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. Yes. Because as you say, you were saying this a lot in the first season of Discovery whenever they would like drop a book name or something like that. Like there was a lot of Alice in Wonderland, right? You say yes, they, they never went anywhere. Well, right, but you always say it's that's there's a re they choose that for there's a specific reason why they do that. There's a yeah, specific reason. Well, in Discovery, they were talking about a lot of like mirror Dockley, and they went into the mirror universe. Don't forget. Yeah, that's true. I guess yeah. And, so that's true. And Alice did go into places that were right. Strange. They had their shit yeah. together back then, but yeah, like they they made a very specific choice to show Day of the Earth to so not just because it would be fun and. Oh, it's a classic science fiction film. Mm-hmm. No, the 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 meaning of that film, the premise of that film, is exactly what happens in this episode, which I thought was a very nice touch. Yes, and because Klaatu also has this enormous power to destroy them, and I mean, he shows the, off the strength and brings the ship into the atmosphere. I've got a bigger um, stick. Yeah. 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 Hey, well, Want to play that game? We can do it. What did you think of um, now? You were kind of already talking about it, but I, I, I just want to revisit it for a second. When we were talking about using today as a metaphor for where they're headed, um, here's how I know that it, here's how I know that that idea worked for me. I was uneasy watching that all take place. Mm-hmm. It was really it was kind of hitting home for me a little bit because yeah. I've been seeing this happen over the last couple of years. And while it's, you know, Trek all about, you know, depicting a positive future and getting beyond these sort of petty squabbles, as the show would put it, the fact that it made me feel uneasy tells me that it worked very well. Because that's what it was supposed to do, in my opinion. That's, That's what that moment was supposed to do. Not only was it supposed to help them, but it was supposed to remind the audience as well. And that's... Because of that, I thought I thought that it was extremely effective in their messaging. Me, me too. Because, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, no matter what side of the uh, political aisle you may fall on, I right. think that unless you're really, you know, bought into the Q world, yeah, you think the idea of using force to make the Congress do what, right angry mob wants is bad i well, think that's that's a standard belief i hope in the country you also got to remember this too there's, there's two comments i just want to make on this before we kind of get to the rest of the episode but haters i mean they'll be haters right star trek is woke and all this other stuff i mean i know it's i don't want to really have this discussion but, yeah, but what people for anyone that's joining us for the first time somehow yeah. we talk a lot about how star trek has always been woke it's a future where they have no money it is a, you know, utopian yeah. future. Um, 
no one starves because everyone is provided for. I mean, come on, it's they it's, have everything that they need. It is it is a um, socialist liberal wonderland? Typically, what these people will say is when you like when you come back at them and say, "Well, Star Trek's always been woke," then they'll try to come back and say, "But Star Trek was always more subtle about it." No, actually, it wasn't. Um, they were subtle about some things, but I think that when you're dealing with the subject matter that this episode is dealing with, wouldn't you want it to be on the nose? Like, how could you even be how could you even be subtle about that? You know, right? There's, and yeah. you say when when they said what 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 was the the euphemism that they used in the original series for Vietnam? They called it the 20th century brush wars on the Asian continent. Okay. Yeah. Vietnam was still going on it when was. they said that. It Vietnam was. was happening. People were being drafted and sent to Vietnam. Right. When they said that, everyone knew what they meant when they said it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a secret. So. And, what, and here's the other so thing. This is the last point I'll make. What some viewers may not realize who didn't watch it at the time, Enterprise came on right as 9-11 happened. Okay, there are moments when you actually there's a in 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 the episode Stormfront, part two. When Archer sees the timeline that Daniels is fixing, you see the 9/11 attacks in there. The Suliban, Taliban. There's a whole episode all about when Archer and Mayweather get kidnapped and thrown into this detention center with all these other Suliban. And they've only had nothing but bad experiences with the Suliban. That's just when they realize that the Suliban are not all like the ones that they have encountered, that they've misjudged them, which, I mean, I won't. But that sort of, there was a, there was a xenophobia happening right after 9-11, right? And so it was the same thing. I mean, sure, it's on the nose. But what's wrong with that? Yeah. And also, I mean, this was a... The Enterprise episodes small, hit hard with me, too. This was a small reference in right. this episode. This was not the main thrust of it. It was just, um, yeah, we, we had a civil war that turned into a world war, which honestly is not that far-fetched. No, it's not. And um, I thought that Pike's story was a cautionary tale, right? And I thought it worked very very well and when i was watching it and i even did some youtube commenting on one on when somebody posted this video that that scene Mm -hmm. i just simply said you know i said you know like it or not this is star trek this is what star trek is yeah yeah sorry yeah sorry but if gene roddenberry were around too he would be he too would be anti uh violently storming the capitol to try to make congress right do what you want so I think as far as this show going, as far as this episode trying to be topical and with a message, I thought they executed on it very, very well. Um, yeah, I think it'd yeah. be fine. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I have a couple of small things I wanted to mention. So, because um, I neglected to mention it at the beginning. So this is actually the first time we see in live action Robert April. Robert April being the Enterprise's previous captain. Uh, we saw him once in the animated series. 
but now we're seeing for the first time uh, in live action, Pike's former CEO. Um, I liked the end of this episode where they, because, you know, during the plot of this episode, the whole pro, uh, General Order 1 comes in, and I love that comment, we're going to change this and rename this the Prime Directive. Oh, that'll never stick. Mm. I thought that was, I liked that line a lot. <laughs> because that line came out of Janeway's mouth every other word. It's a clear violation of the Prime Directive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's funny that it seems like they renamed it just because... And General Order 1, they don't seem to understand how important this is. We're going to prime directives. Right. They understand. <laughs> I mean, and that's... Very important, Pike. And you know what? That's one of those things I knew, like, you know, there's a point on Voyager where, where Ensign Kim says, there's a reason why it's Starfleet's General Order 1. So the name was being interchanged, right? But, like, I didn't really know or really feel like I needed an explanation why it was called the prime directive, but I liked that the show just decided to go there. And uh, yeah. and and do that. I thought that was actually. I actually thought that was very funny. That was funny. That was funny. Um, <clears throat> what are your thoughts? So there's, there's one last thing I want to mention, which we haven't gotten a chance to mention yet, about that little surprise at the end of the episode. That new. I, uh, I hate it. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. It it kind of took me out of the episode, honestly. Um, and this is why I think my first watch, I was a little more, not I wasn't negative on it, but I was less enthused about the episode because it sort of erased all the goodwill it had built up throughout right. the episode because then I just was left thinking, but why? We, and so yeah. here's my thought. So we've we've gotten our third Spock here in this, in our, this universe of Discovery and, and now Strange New Worlds. And, you know, we settled in. We've, we've accepted this guy as Spock. Yep. Pike, who cares, right? We didn't ever get enough Pike for it to matter. But Spock, that's right. a big deal. It is. And we even I even came around on Michael being Spock's sister. I came around on that, and it was, it was you know, yeah. just, just the way it is, and it's fine. And even the references here, like, I miss my sister. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's fine. And now I just feel like... It's another leap that's as right. big and as as unsettling because if he's on the ship and he doesn't matter, that's one thing. But now to say, sort of cheekily, by yeah. the way, which is a little too nodding to the audience. Uh, well, Spock's gonna be, you know, you're gonna be your reporting to Spock. He's your boss. Yeah, we are of course referring uh, to come on, how how many. We're referring to George Samuel Kirk, James T. Kirk's brother. But the show kind of teased you in the beginning and said Lieutenant Kirk is aboard. And you're just like, wait, what? And so they're trying to like, they were just sort of like, they pinned that in. They sort of threw that out there and then they kind of kept you wondering like, what? And then, and it was weird because we got the announcement recently that James T. Kirk is going to be appearing in next season. And I was like, wait, is he going to be appearing now? And then... And the thing is... I'm trying to rationalize it based on that line of dialogue, but I I will admit after that I kind of forgot about it. I didn't think about it after that. I just thought it was going to oh, be I, I, I just thought it was going to be some throwaway line, and that was that. I I didn't really. I'm like okay, whatever. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then when he steps out, because you know the idea was they're teasing you. Oh, is it actually James T. Kirk? No, it's his brother George Samuel Kirk, who we saw in the yeah. episode Operation Annihilate, and 
he's i think he was he science division he was in science division because spock is going to be his boss yeah now like you it didn't destroy all the goodwill in the episode my problem is and this is not it took the focus away which is what kirk is a a, any kirk is always going to do now this is not strange new world's fault entirely but the problem picard did this in the finale of picard a lot it's this irresistible urge that the, that the current shows have of wanting to connect everything and i don't i don't like that there's a lot of this entire show just by the nature of its existence is one massive connection to the original series i mean it's the enterprise it's captain pike uhura's there like yeah and yeah it's was that not enough for it to be the enterprise and have spock there i mean that's right because you were saying when they when they released that casting video the announcement you know i remember so they unveiled that it's nurse chapels there uhura dr mabenga legacy characters you said not something i needed you know, but it's fine. It's interesting. Now, I would have preferred because they because none of those characters had much of a character, even Uhura. Right. So we gets a lot of screen time, but not much personality. I can understand why they would want to do it, but I remember saying at the time, I remember thinking, because I'd spec before the casting announcements even came, and we were just postulating who could appear, and I actually thought, are they just going to do the cage and just recast everybody? I had said. There's no reason why the original series crew can't begin to pop up later on, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So they definitely went to it faster than I thought they would. But oh, George, okay. Samuel, Kirk, like, they're playing too fast and too loose with some of this continuity, and I don't like that because, you know, they seem to rely too much on the fact that Spock doesn't mention anything until it's relevant. So it's where they're going with some of this. It just seems to me like... Everybody is going to know, everybody in the original series is going to know Captain Pike, except for Captain Kirk. Except for Kirk. Right. And nobody Kirk's says brother, a word. Even Kirk's brother knows him really well. They walked in and they were clearly right. buddies. So I, I, I wish that they would... Now, I don't, we don't know how much of a factor he's going to... He's not even part of the main cast, right? So we don't know how much Samuel Kirk's even going to be there. But I, I, you know, I just wish... Really I wish that... I mean, I think he's going to be recurring. I know he makes at least one more appearance. I just wish that, that would they would be hardly see him. That would be excellent. I just wish that they would stray away from this and not. It doesn't add anything. It just That's doesn't not, add anything to this. It just distracts. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting because it's as if they just need something new, a new connection for some reason. Right. Like oh, Spock doesn't matter. He's been around for a few seasons now. Right. Um. Hmm. I was Chapel and Uhura. Yeah, I don't understand. I, I wish I wish they didn't. And it's just something about a Kirk, and especially if they're going to have James T. Kirk next season. Hmm. I just fear that he's going to suck the oxygen out of everything. Yeah. Because how could the focus not be on Kirk? I know. I mean, it's Kirk and Spock is the most. I, I, here's my theory. We're going to see the entire original series crew before the show ends i'm telling you right now we're going to yeah yeah um i i'm disapp- i am disappointed by one thing and maybe they'll still do it i wanted to know i wanted to get at least in dialogue where's dr boyce did he retire where is he 
I need to know where yeah. this. I need to know where this man is. Yeah, he looks like he's ready for retirement. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past him. They're gonna forget. I, I I'm sure they'll. Somebody will say something. But I hope we find out where he is. But um. I don't I think it'd just be nice to be some nice fan service, everybody's favorite term. But um, yeah, overall, um, I think the show is off to a really good start. We still have one more character we have to meet. We saw him briefly at the end, uh, the Anar Hemmer. Um, but I like where the show, what the show did in the first episode. And, you know, to kind of repeat what I said to you, I think offline. After seeing the 2009 Abrams film, I know it's a very polarizing film, but the feeling that I had, because I enjoyed it, the feeling of fun, adventure, just the vibe I got coming out of that movie, I would have wanted it to be followed up by, like, this is the kind of show that I think would have been a great follow-up to it. Mm. It has that sort of, like, you know, upbeat, fun adventure about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you on the last scene. Sure. So like the last bit where he says, hit it. Yep. For some reason, I expected he was going to say, like, take us out, warp three. I thought he was going to say, and straight on till morning. Yeah. What 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 movie ends with, I believe, Kirk saying? Six. Okay. I knew it was something. I just didn't know what it was. Oh, I thought you were quizzing me. No. I no. fully expected him. I fully expected. I just, you know. It's Kirk's. It's Kirk's last line in Star Trek Six. So yeah, yeah. Um, any hopes for you? With with you know we we we've got a whole season ahead of us. Anything that uh, you know? We never see (laughs) George Kirk again. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, I don't mean things like that. But like, you know, what do you? Is there anything you're hoping for this season? Like, you know, in terms of like what you hope the show does and what maybe it strays away from, and I don't know. Um, so let's see. I think that, I hope that they don't get too enamored with, um, Noonian thing, yep. uh, trauma. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because there was, it was got it's getting a little trauma, uh, ha- happy there. Uh, right. Happy. So right. I hope they don't get too far into that. And I hope, um, uh, yeah, same with, um, pike it's just, yeah you know i hope that i hope that they leave that settled because i got the feeling at the end that great you did it in one episode he was unsure if he was his commitment to starfleet he has this experience now he's fully committed again now he's in that's it no more mm. yeah he don't have to deal with it anymore that's, i think he's gonna i mean he's gonna have the discussion at least one more time with number one but um you're right i think that star trek it's becoming a trope in the current trend of trek shows but they just feel like trauma makes for interesting characters which it doesn't and right. uh it, it certainly can but i'm exhausted by trek shows doing this just give us give us some characters that just have some that are just just give us some positivity i guess is what i want and i hope that the show started off well and i want it to continue with this and continue and just you know just improve upon this really keep this i hope that this episode is the weakest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I think they did do a good story here, but it was very short. The actual story, story part, the main story, I guess you could say with the planet, um, was 
you know, because you had about the opening on Vulcan and on Earth. Yeah. Got to bring everybody in. Took up a bunch of time, yeah. Yep. You had to establish firmly that Pike is getting laid and Spock is getting laid. I actually thought that was very silly. Yeah. I thought... But they both were. One of my favorite YouTube channels uh, has this this term in films where they say, like, they have to give the characters a case of the not gays. Which means if you've got two male characters that are Hmm. going to be... Um, you know, close. Yep. You have to establish that they're heterosexual, like really hard, and it just seemed mm. like Interesting. these two characters had a bad case of the not gays. Yeah. Weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it was just so weirdly blatant. Yeah. Like, they're, they are sexing it up. Look at all the sex they're getting. I will say, though, based on some of the footage that I've seen in these trailers, it looks like Pike is going to get into some fisticuffs like Kirk did. I hope they're silly. Yeah. Well, okay. Actually, let me go back for a second and ask you about the season because I want to just pivot really quickly to what we were hoping for. This goes back to when the show was announced. We want to see crazy shit. Right? We need this. We want... Yes. We want original series type crazy shit. Yeah, I want Jimmy Carter in space. Giant Jimmy Carter. Yes. You know, here's the thing, okay? As big as f- original series fans as people behind the show are, I have no doubt that they would potentially go there um, and find something like that. As we were saying when we were talking about footage that was seen in the trailer, it seems to me, and I don't know the context of it because we haven't seen the episode, but there's a point where you see people like with sh- carrying shields and swords and bows and arrows, and I thought to myself, like, that's the kind of alien culture you would see on the original series. And I hope, and I'm. Yeah. If that if that is indeed what that is, I'm very happy. Me too. Me too. Yeah, they got to do that. They got to go to the uh, the archives of Paramount and say like, all right, what do you have from yeah, yeah, some sword and sandals epics or uh, 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 some Robin sword Hood. and sandals epics. Yeah, that's a genre, sword and sandals. Um, yeah, take us to the Shoreleaf planet. You know, like uh, yeah. yeah, like get out get out the Ben Hur chariot. <laughs> Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. All that crazy stuff. Yes, definitely. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I want to see some of that crazy stuff. I want to see um, them encountering giant Greek gods, you know? Yes. Yeah. And um, maybe expand. You know, maybe it'll be like uh, Indian gods. It'll be like Vishnu or something. If we see the Gorn, do you want it to be a guy in a suit? Well, we're definitely seeing the Gorn. I think that's established, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe I mean, we did. We did. Yeah, but I do you want it to For be? Talk, we got yeah, it's got to be a guy in a suit, right? <laughs> How could you not? That'd be silly. The exact same suit, played by the exact same guy. He could be one of them, like the elder or something. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, that that would be, and I really don't have any big requirements for the show, right? I mean, that stuff, yes, but when you really get down to it, all I need good characters and a good story and that's what they managed to do this week and that's really all i'm asking for i mean i like the premise right i like that we're back in the space exploring it episode situation of the week that's great but at the end of the day you gotta tell me a good story and they already managed to do that at least once so it just it feels nice to have the classic star trek format back so 
Agreed. I hope they stick to it. I hope they stick to their guns. I hope they... Um, and their sword and shield. Their sword and shield. They're in the sandals. <laughs> Um, yeah, I hope they stick with it. Don't don't let in, don't let any of the probably twenty producers start poking around. Oh, I know, right? Game. Yeah, cool. Well, um, before we close out, because we actually didn't do this for the episode, so uh, who wrote the episode and who's doing next week? So it was Akiva Goldsman mm-hmm. wrote the teleplay. And the story was by Akiva Goldman, Alex Kurtzman, and Jenny Lumet. Yep. Lumet. All the co-creators of the show, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, has Lumet been involved before in Trek? I'm not sure about that. I know that she's one of the co-creators of the show, but I don't know if she has a history with the franchise. I'm not sure. daughter of Sid- Sydney Lumet and granddaughter of Lena Horn. Oh, wow. But she... Rachel getting married, so she's a you know a writer of uh, a well-respected drama. So so yep. you know that's cool. Um, she was yeah, a consulting. Also... Oh, go ahead. Um, Jenny Lumet is a producer and writer who worked as a co-executive producer on the second season, and as executive producer of the third season of Star Trek Discovery, and as a consulting producer on the first half of Star Trek Picard's first season. She also wrote episodes of Short Trek and Discovery. And she is now executive producer of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which she co-created with Alex Kurtzman and Akiva Goldsman. Um, she wrote... I still do wonder, why is all the behind-the-scenes stuff so convoluted in this world? Hmm. You know, like, she was produced for half the season, but not the whole season. Yeah. It just seems like... Seems I know. Like weird stuff going on behind the scenes. So no she... one seems to last the whole season. So she wrote, um, for Discovery, she wrote Such Sweet Sorrow, both of them. She co-wrote it. She also wrote That Hope Is You, Part 1, the first episode of Season 3 of Discovery, which I liked. That was good. She it wrote pay off, but it was good. She wrote Far From Home, and she also wrote the first episode of Season 4 of Discovery, which I liked. So, yeah, not, bad. not bad. Not um, yeah. bad. Sh- I don't know what producers do for that show. Like I don't know how you could be a producer on a show. If there's 12 other producers. For Short Trek, she wrote Runaway. And then she also wrote Children of Mars, the setup for Picard. And then she on Picard, she was a consulting producer for the first five episodes. Remembrance, Maps and Legends, End is the Beginning, Absolute Candor, and then Stardust, City Rag. So, Those are all fun episodes. I don't know what producers do in this, in this company. Yeah, there's too many but, of them. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, that's good. At least, you know, when, hey, if this episode is any indication it's pretty good but let's see she doesn't write any other episodes of the next three because that's all i have the um yeah the the writers and directors for also akiva goldman does not direct notice how people from lower decks notice how people from lower decks don't seem to be jumping very much well that makes sense yeah there's a real animated live action divide i mean even the fact that in in the star wars universe that um dave filoni who did the clone wars yeah and now is doing live action is sort of yeah a little unheard of but it makes a lot of sense he's great yeah Yeah, so i hope i would like to see it she provided the screen story for the reboot of the mummy she didn't write the script she wrote the story for the reboot of the mummy oh boy but maybe the story is good i mean yeah it could be one of those things like i it was i mean there's a case of like a lot of like, oh, you know, the story for Picard was good, but the execution was not. 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I listened to this. Maybe it was a podcast or something about someone who they wrote a movie about. I believe it was about the Cuban Revolution, mm-hmm. and they sold the script. And you know, it was kind of like a serious drama about the Cuban Revolution. And um, then eventually, the movie finally was produced and made, and it was like Dirty Dancing Two. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, weird stuff happens when you write a story and you sell yeah. it. It crazy things can happen. I think she probably, probably left. I think you know the timeline sounds about right. Like for the first half of Picard, probably to start work on this show. Yeah. Still. Yeah. It's still weird. Akiva Goldsman has jumped from Discovery from Picard now to this. Um, I think with yeah. this, though, his understanding when he came to Discovery was he actually thought Discovery was a show about this. So I think oh. this was a show that he I think this was a show that he really wanted to do. So yeah. well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. But take nevertheless, a like, take a job not knowing what you're going to be doing. Well, dude, they got a, they got a lot of producers. so I'm sure it was easy to kind of take his place, apparently. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's why there's so many of them because there's so many of them jumping ship. They just have all these backup producers just in case. Yeah. So who is the actual showrunner of this show? Goldman. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, all right then. That's good. Yeah. He seems to know what he's doing. Next week is uh, the wow. next week's episode is called "Children of the Comet." Written by Henry Alonzo Myers, one of the co-creators, and Sarah Takoff. So, and yeah. then we have Ghosts of Valeria, and then Memento Mori, mm-hmm. and then Spock Amok. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, going to tie into Amok time, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I've seen enough of um, Spock's nipples, very aggressive nipples that he has. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, off to a good start with Strange New Worlds, and let's keep our fingers crossed that the show continues on this trend and that we uh, have a good season out of us. Yes, I, I'm optimistic. Very good. You can all follow us on Instagram at in star trek we trust podcast and you can follow us on twitter at star trek we trust until then we will return next week to discuss children of the comet i'm betting they have to save a world from a comet impact i'm gonna say they meet a drifter named comet Hmm. and his children not, it's not children of Comet, it's children of the Comet. Yeah, well, you know, he's very uh, yeah. arrogant. A lot of people call him the Comet. Got it. No, you're, you're totally right. I already read yeah. this enough. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Peace out.